Thanks for checking out this message from Springmount Church. For more information about us and what we do, visit our website, springmount.church. Why not check out all the different groups that run throughout each week in Barrow and on Walney? And join us every Sunday from 11am at Salt House Pavilion in Barrow Infernos. If you would like us as a church to pray for you, please email prayer at springmount.church or sign up on our website for monthly news straight to your inbox. Okay, I'm going to have to use this today, so uh, apologies if, uh, if I uh, move it away from my face, but I'm going to try my best to concentrate. Well, I hope you've had an amazing Christmas, or as amazing it could possibly be. I hope you've had a happy new year. Um, it's been a bit different, hasn't it? Maybe it was quieter. Uh, certainly for me, it was much quieter. It was simpler in many ways, and also it was less rushed, and I felt we had much more time at home with family. It was also lovely seeing those Christmas greetings from church family on Christmas Day. It was great, and thanks to Paul for putting that together, because it was just so good to see people uh, saying Happy Christmas. And I didn't need to get dressed before lunch, so that was quite good. Well, I got dressed for lunch, it would have been, yeah, I didn't sit in my pyjamas eating my Christmas dinner. But maybe for you, this Christmas was filled with peace, but maybe for you, it wasn't. Maybe this Christmas was lonely, maybe it was isolated, maybe you felt anxious about all that was to come as the announcements were made. And today, we finish our look at Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, and the series, He Shall Be Called. The titles that were given to the coming Messiah 700 years before he was born. You should have hopefully learnt it a bit by now. You should hopefully know what it says. It says, for to us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called, what were the names? Wonderful Counselor, Almighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. I'm going to stop there. And the greatness of his government and his peace, there will be no end. So the title today that we're going to look at is Jesus was promised as the son given and as the child born to be the prince of peace. And that peace would have no end. It will be everlasting. That doesn't sound like a human kingdom, does it? That is a godly kingdom. So remember at the start of this whole series, we talked about the dual purposes of the names, the wonderful counselor, the mighty God. Jesus is mighty God. That was the promise. One of them is the baby born, the human title, and one of them is the son given, that heavenly title. Well, with Prince of Peace, that split isn't quite so easy. It's not quite as obvious. So let's look at it this way. Prince of Peace both fit into both categories. What is a prince? You know, maybe to you, prince is a squiggle, a symbol, because that's what he became, the singer prince. But what is a prince? Well, actually, if you look in the Oxford Dictionary, there are three definitions of a prince. Definition number one is the son of a king or queen. Well, Jesus wasn't just the son of a king or queen. He was the son of God. 
He was the Prince of Peace. He was the Son of God. But there's more. Definition two. A prince rules a certain kingdom or part of it. A prince is in charge of a certain part of the kingdom or a small country. Jesus continually talked of the kingdom of God being with us. From the moment he came, the kingdom of God is with us. Today, the kingdom of God is with us. It's within us. Jesus is in charge. He rules and he reigns and he fits the second definition, doesn't he? But I think the third definition is the most interesting one. Definition number three. A prince describes a person who is the best at doing a certain role. So this morning in, our, in church, this morning we might say Maria is the princess of the worship. <laughs> we might say that Jake is the prince of the tech desk. Well, you know, we might argue, but we'll see. But for example, the prince of pop is the person who is the best at being a pop star. The prince of something is the definition, is the best at bringing or doing a certain thing. So Jesus is the prince of peace. That means he is the best at bringing peace. He is the best example of living with peace and living at peace. So Jesus fits all three definitions. He rules. He is in charge. He is in charge of the kingdom. But also, he's the son of God, the almighty God, and he is God. And thirdly, he's the best at bringing peace. So what is peace? Well, when my kids were little, they used to love a bedtime story. I'm sure Joel, does, Joel still listens to them now when he's 23. He still has an audio book, although they're probably not quite as simple. But one of the books that was our kids' favourite was this one. You know, this is a collection of Jill Murphy books. There's four books in one. Some of you who are parents at home might remember this book, or you might actually have it. It's a brilliant book. It's about the large family a family of elephants, Mr. and Mrs. Large and their children. And the favourite one was Five Minutes Peace, it was called. And Mrs. Large just wants five minute peace. That's what she wants. I'm going to put the book down a minute. She just wants five minutes of peace. Maybe at home now you can relate to this. Maybe over Christmas you've just wanted five minutes peace. Yesterday, Roz wanted to read her book. So she went and sat in a little bit of a corner of our room where there's a chair and a table. And she sat down to read her book. But every so often people would come in and talk. They just wanted to be around her. But she just wanted five minutes peace. She just wanted to be left alone. Well, in this book of five minutes peace, Mrs. Large, the elephant, goes for a bath because she decides the bathroom is the best place to get five minutes peace. Who agrees the bathroom is the best place for five minutes peace? I know it's great to just go and sit in there and read a book sometimes because nobody can disturb you. So five minutes peace. But actually, as she sits in the bath... She keeps getting disturbed. One of the children comes in with a recorder and says, Mum, Mum, will you listen to me playing me peace? And she's like, I just want five minutes peace. I just want peace. Everywhere she went, one of them disturbed her. Eventually, they all get in the bath with her and she gets, she, she gets out and goes in the kitchen for a cup of coffee to have five minutes peace. Maybe you feel like that. Maybe you feel like Mrs. Large <laughs> in more ways than one. I feel like Mr. Large sometimes, but I'm getting Mr. Less. That's good. But peace is not just five minutes of quiet. 
Maybe you're thinking, I'd love some quiet. I'd love some stillness. But that isn't what peace is. Peace is more than just quiet or lack of disturbance. How do we discover what peace is? The best way to do it is to look at Jesus and how he dealt with it. Peace is not just quiet. Peace is not just lack of disturbance. Peace is more than just being on your own. It's more than a lack of conflict. So what is it? And this is where the heavenly description of Jesus fits in. So this morning, we're going to have a whistle-stop tour of Jesus' life to see what peace really is. Matthew chapter 4, if you've got a Bible, I'm not going to put the verses up, but if you read Matthew chapter 4, Jesus goes to the desert to fast for 40 days. He fasts for 40 days and he's tired and he's hungry. What are we like when we're tired and hungry? (laughs) I know what I can be like. Uh, I know what my daughter can be like when she's tired and hungry and it's definitely hangry. After a few hours, let alone 40 days, You know, Jesus fasted in the desert for 40 days. And at the end of that time, when probably he feels rough, he probably feels just like he's had enough, he's faced with temptation by the devil himself. He is faced with temptation. He's faced with accusation. How does Jesus handle that? He remains calm. He remains calm and undisturbed even in the face of provocation, even in the face of false promise, even in the face of being hungry and tired and everything else, Jesus stays at peace. It's more than just a lack of disturbance. That's peace. How do we cope under temptation? How do we cope under provocation? How do we cope when we're under attack? We need the Prince of Peace. We need the one who is best at bringing peace and the one who delivers it the most. Matthew chapter 8, verses 23 to 25 then says this. Jesus got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us. We are going to drown. Jesus was in a boat in horrendous circumstances. Let's not forget who he was with. He wasn't with architects and mountain climbers. He was with experienced fishermen, men who were used to the water, men who were used to seeing winds rise up, people who were used to boats. This must have been a bad storm. This must have been so violent that they were terrified and scared for their life. The disciples were convinced that death is their next destination. They were convinced that this was it. And Jesus is asleep. That's peace. That despite the storm that's going on around you, despite the fears and the worries that are ahead, Jesus shows peace. Why? Because he's the prince of peace. Does he fulfill this prophecy? Even with just those two stories, I think he does. He is the prince of peace. The very next thing that happens when they land their boat on the other side of the lake is they come across a man filled with demons. This man is so scary that the locals have locked him in a graveyard, but he keeps breaking his chains. He's so strong, nobody can overpower him. This is a scary guy you would not want to bump into. 
And yet what does Jesus do? Mark chapter 5, verses 2 to 9 says this. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. He came out of the graves. He came from a place of death. That's scary, isn't it? Make, it would make an amazing film. And actually people would be like, this is scary. This guy is scary. This man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore. Not even with a chain. He couldn't be held back. Anything could happen. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't touch me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, what is your name? My name is Legion, said the man, for we are many. A legion in Roman terms was about 3,000 to 6,000 men. This guy is filled with pure evil. And Jesus is faced with these thousands of demons, this scary, terrifying person. But not only could Jesus face him without fear, he passed his peace on to this very same man. Nobody could subdue him. Who did? The Prince of Peace. Because the next thing we see is this man sat in his right mind, fully clothed, listening to Jesus speak. Not only could Jesus face him because he was the Prince of Peace, this man was become peaceful because of the Prince of Peace. A final example of Jesus' peace in the face of difficulty was when he was crucified. Jesus was put on a cross for the sins of the world. He was nailed to a cross. He was beaten. He was tormented. He was mocked. He was spat on. He was abused. What was his response? Did he curse those that tortured him? Did he shout and scream? No. He prayed for them. He prayed for people. Despite his punishes, despite the cursing, he remains quiet. That's peace. That is the Prince of Peace. That even in face of all opposition, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He is the best at it. He is the Prince of Peace. He is the best at being it. And he's the best at giving it. And yet so often, we try and find our own peace by just sitting in a quiet place. Or we try and get away from it all. Jesus suffered the little children to come onto him because peace wasn't about five minutes of quiet in the bath like Mrs. Large. Peace was about the connection he had with his father. So how? Interesting in our Bible, when you read it, it's split into chapters and verses. That was very helpful because it means we can find our way around it. However, sometimes we lose something. And I want to read two bits of John that shouldn't be separated, but actually they are. John chapter 13, verses 37 to 38 say this. Jesus has just told his disciples that he's going to have to do something. He's going to have to go a different way. They won't understand that he's going to die for them. John chapter 13, verses 37 to 38 says this. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? 
I will lay down my life for you. Then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. It ends there. That sounds a little bit judgmental. That sounds like Jesus is saying to Peter, you're going to be a very naughty boy. You're going to do something that's terrible. And it stops. And if we end there, that's really discouraging. But if we go straight to the beginning of the next chapter, beginning of chapter 14 says this, do not let your hearts be troubled. That changes it, doesn't it? Jesus goes from saying to Peter, before the cock crows three times, you're going to deny me, to then saying, but. There's almost a but. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? Peter, you're going to deny me. Peter, you're going to get it wrong in the future. Peter, you're going to mess up. But don't let your hearts be troubled because I've already forgiven you. I've already prepared a place for you. That's Jesus, the Prince of Peace, saying to Peter, despite your mess, despite the mistakes you're going to make, I've already forgiven you. I've prepared a place for you and you're going to be with me. Is that not an encouragement to us today as in Barrow Furness in 2021 that despite what we're going to do, Jesus knows the messes we're going to make now. But he says, don't let your heart be troubled. I've prepared a place for you. If you believe in me and you believe in God the Father, then you're in. You've got to come with me. Peter, you've got to deny me, but I've already forgiven you. Don't be troubled by it. Do you know this morning, if you have accepted Jesus as your saviour, if you said yes to Jesus, then your past has been dealt with. Your present is dealt with. And your future is dealt with. Because Jesus is, a, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And this morning, if nothing else you take from this service, just know that you can have peace because you've made peace with God. You have made your peace with God. And maybe that's where it starts. You become a Christian, you say a prayer, you thank God for what he did, you thank Jesus for dying for you, you thank him and you say sorry for the things you've done. That's making peace with God. That's reconnecting with the God who created you, who loves you, who desires for you to be with him. But there's a second part to that. Because maybe you've made your peace with God, but do you have God's peace? Do you really have access to that peace that Jesus displays? Do we see that peace in our life? John chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus goes on to say this, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus repeats himself to, to reassure them. Don't let your hearts be troubled because I'm giving you my peace. My peace is different to what the world offers. It's not temporary. Maybe you've received some gifts over Christmas. I've got this nice jumper. I hope you like it. Super dry. Very nice. First time I've ever been able to fit in one of their jumpers. That's good. And I've got a nice shirt. I've got some nice shoes. But maybe you've been given a gift over Christmas that you didn't want. Or the, the process these days apparently is re-gifting 
Is that it? You know, maybe, maybe you've been given something that you're going to re-gift. That's what the world does. The world gives gifts and then people either don't want them or they pass them on. I've I'm I'm been a member of Slimming World for the last few months. I hope you can start to see the effects it's been having on me. And I got a message before Christmas saying that anyone who wants to have, they were going to have an, an amnesty, okay? They were going to have an amnesty where people could bring their chocolates and biscuits and sweets that they'd be given over Christmas and they could give them in at the Slimming World group and they were going to pass them on and they actually nominated Spring Mount and the Food Hub and everything else as, their, uh, as, as the place they wanted to pass them on to. Do you know what went through my mind? I'm thinking... No way. If I've been given chocolates and sweets, I'm eating them and then they're done with. I'll just get them out of the way in the next three days and then that's fine. So uh, I'm not giving away my gift that's been given to me. But actually, many of us are like that, aren't we? Many of us are like that and we get given something that we don't want or that we don't use or that we just pass on. Jesus says, my peace I give to you. My peace I leave with you. And it's not like what the world gives we don't want to re-gift Jesus' peace. We don't want to just ignore it and put it in a cupboard. We don't, want to, we don't want to say, actually, that's not for me, thank you very much. But so often we live our lives as if that's what we've done. That we may have made peace with God by accepting Jesus, but actually we've never truly accepted his peace. Jesus left us with real peace. Not something which comes and goes. Look at his life. John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus says this, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. But what does he follow that statement with? In this world you will have trouble. So we can have peace even in the midst of trouble. We can have peace in the middle of a storm. We can have peace when faced with temptation. We can have peace when faced with opposition. Why? Because Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He's the best at giving it. Peace is part of the fruit of the Spirit. It's also part of the armour of God. Jesus, fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. It's part of the armour of God. It's the shoes of the gospel of peace. What's the gospel of peace? It's good news. What's the good news? Jesus died for you and rose again. He beat sin and death and he's the prince of peace. There's the good news. So every day we're told to put on the armour of God. Get them shoes on. What are they? The shoes of the gospel of peace. That despite the trouble you might have, despite the places you might have to walk in, despite the roads that you might be travelling, you can do it with the shoes of the gospel of peace that comes from the good news. What's the good news? Jesus saves. Jesus saves. The final mention of peace for today comes in my favourite passage of scripture, and that is Philippians chapter 4. It's my, if, you've, if you struggle to read the Bible, read a verse of Philippians chapter 4 every day for the next month. It will just strike you. It's easy to understand. But Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 to 7 say this. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. We've said that before, haven't we? We're not rejoicing in our circumstances. Nobody's thinking tier 4. Yay! Or maybe you are. Maybe some of you like lockdown. Nobody's rejoicing in the circumstances of the world at the moment. Nobody who works in the hospitals around here is going in thinking, Yay! But we can rejoice in Jesus. 
the Prince of Peace. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Then it goes on to say this, and this is crucial to how we get that peace. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. What's the result? of that prayer? What's the result of every situation prayer? Thanksgiving prayer, petition prayer. What's the result? Verse 7, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Many of us may be asking for God to take a certain situation from us, Maybe we are praying and crying out to God and saying, God, remove these pressures, remove this. God, help me to focus and cope better with this. Yet what is the purpose of prayer? I believe the purpose of prayer is meant to change us and to change our perspective. It's meant to change who we are. We're meant to become more like Jesus. To pray, pray. This verse says, pray, pray, pray about everything. Pray, pray, pray in every situation. Pray, pray, pray at all times. Pray, pray, pray with thanksgiving. And what is the result if we do that? The peace of God. Do you know, if you have a peace and everything's going well, nobody is going to think, well, that's beyond my understanding. <laughs> nobody's going to think if you're, if you're having quiet time and you're actually everything's going well in your work life, your family life, and actually you still have a peace, nobody is going to notice it. When will they notice the peace that is beyond understanding? When you're in the middle of a storm and you still have that peace. When everyone else is screaming, we're going to die, and you're able to sleep. When you're faced with temptation and you can say, no, because God is better, God is bigger. When you're faced with a crisis and you can say, I'm going to keep bringing it to God with prayer, petition, and thanksgiving. The peace of God, the supernatural, unexplainable peace. The times that will be noticed is when you're in crisis. The times that will be noticed is when things aren't going right. The times that will be noticed is when other people do not understand how you can possibly face the situation. A peace that can help you sleep in a storm. A peace that helps you not show fear, even in difficult situations. A peace that helps you pray for your enemies, not curse them. A peace despite what the world is throwing at you. So how do we get it? First, we make peace with God. If you haven't made your peace with God today, then do it. That just means accepting Jesus as who he was, that he died for you, that you can be forgiven, that your past, present and future is dealt with. Trust in the boy that was born and the son that was given. But do we just stop there? No. Philippians chapter 4 says we pray, pray, and pray. So as you pray, allow him to change you, to fill you, to give you a peace that passes understanding. In 2021, whatever we face whether it be the virus, whether it be difficulties with work, whether it be family crisis. Face it with the Prince of Peace because he is the best at being it and he's the best at giving it. My peace I give to you. My peace I leave with you. Bring everything to prayer 
because God's promises are yes and amen. We've already sung this morning, yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. That shows a peace that's beyond understanding. If you can lift God high when everything seems to be going wrong, that is a peace that only God can bring. This year, will we see the Prince of Peace at work in our world? Will we see the Prince of Peace at work in our life? Make your peace with God, but then pray, pray, pray so that the Prince of Peace dwells more greatly in you, that you are filled with his fruit. Put on your shoes of peace every day. Put on. Maybe practically that's what we can do. Maybe if you've heard nothing else this morning, each day when you get up, put your shoes on. And as you put your shoes on, say, God, fill me with your peace. Help me be good news to other people. Help me take your good news that you save, that you make a difference, that you bring peace out into the world that I go into. And his promises are yes and amen. What is his promise? That if we rejoice in him, if we pray to him, if we bring everything, everywhere, every time to him, we will be filled with a peace that is beyond understanding. He gives not as the world gives. It's not temporary. It's not come and go. And you certainly won't want to re-gift it. You want to keep it. But share the news as you wear his shoes of the gospel of peace. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that Jesus came into this world and lived the example of what is best. Father, I thank you that Jesus is the answer, (laughs) that Jesus is the Prince of Peace, that he is the everlasting Father, that he is the Almighty God, and that he is the wonderful Counselor. As we come to you now, I pray, Lord, that you will be all of those things to us and more. Father, I pray that we will open our eyes this 2021 and that this year will be the year where we start to really seriously take you and grab you and hold you and bring to you everything all the time. Father God, change our hearts. Change our hearts to be more like Jesus. Show us how to have peace in the difficult circumstances. Father, I pray for anyone who's watching this morning who is in a situation that feels like a storm where other people would be running around screaming, we're going to die. Pray that they will be able to sleep, that they will be able to rest, but that they will be able to show the peace that is beyond the world's understanding because the Prince of Peace is at the centre of their life. So, Father God, help us to listen to your words. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. Do not let our hearts be troubled, for you've gone before us. And help us to live at peace with you and at peace with one another. In Jesus' name, amen.